0: Great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And I am excited about this conversation uh, today. We're going to be talking about electronics, we're going to be talking about technology. And really, what role do Black entrepreneurs, Black investors play in this particular space? In order for us to have this conversation the right way, we have to bring someone on to the podcast that actually is living it on a day-to-day basis. Joining me is the founder, CEO of Orion Electronics Company, Paul Perkins. Paul, welcome to Black Equity Podcast.
1: Hey, how's it going, DJ? Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Good to be here.
0: I'm glad you're here. Uh, For those who don't know who you are, tell us about
1: yourself and your company. My man. Uh, So yeah, my name is Paul Perkins. Um, Really just a kid from the east side of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I was blessed to to have the opportunity to um, start my own company, a tech company in Beijing, China, uh, when I was studying abroad in 2013 at the Beijing University of Technology. Um, The name of the company, as you stated, is Orion Electronics, and we develop affordable, innovative, and eco-friendly products for consumers in underrepresented markets. Um, Currently, we're developing a smart and innovative electric bike. Um, that will also be um, um, also be attached with a rideshare app a subscription based rideshare app that's typically focused on um, access equitable access to transportation in low income neighborhoods and for students and young professionals who can't afford to pay for transportation every single day to get to and from work um, so yeah that's that's pretty much where I'm at
0: <laughs> I love it I've been hearing a lot about. Uh, these ele- electronic bikes, and, and of course, ride sharing has become a, a huge topic. How did you first come across this sector overall? When did you know that this was the sector you wanted to be in?
1: Yeah, so um, long story short, um, the vision for Orion came to me while I was backpacking through India um, in the summer of 2013. And I had this crazy idea um, that I was going to start a technology company because I knew I was going to China and this is where all tech is built. Right. (laughs) And uh, and initially it kind of just started like, hey, I just I just want to see if I can make a million dollars on selling a cell phone or something like that. And um, and so I was doing research about the smartphone market in India uh, specifically And as I, you know, was doing research, hands-on research, you know, talking with, you know, Indians on the ground. I started to realize like, man, these people, and mind you, there were about 30 million smartphones in India at the time. There's well over 500 million smartphone owners now. And they're going to add another three to 400 million uh, smartphone owners by 2025. And so I was like, man, this is a crazy market. It's about to blow up. Um, these companies are making billions, these tech companies are making billions of dollars off these Indians, but what are they really doing to to help them? And I studied urban planning at the University of Cincinnati. And and so my urban planning mind really started to go off. And I was like, man, like they can, they have these cell phones, but they can't even drink their water. They can't breathe the air. They don't have the road infrastructure that they need. Um, There's a bigger picture that I think these tech companies are missing. And we live and in the 21st century, we can't miss this picture. And that's really when the idea or the vision for Orion to create high quality and innovative consumer electronic products that are focused on um, creating a more innovative and sustainable world for ourselves. And so, for instance, with with the e-bike, um, not only is it a cool product and it's fun to use, but the use of the bike is gonna help the environment and also solve the problem of transportation for someone. And so I was like, how can we use technology and sustainable thinking to really solve real world problems? And so that's where the idea initially came from. And the idea for Orion is an ecosystem of products. And so if you think about Apple or Samsung, they have all these products that might connect to their smartphones or to their uh, desktops or whatever. They have all these ecosystems that work together, but their ecosystems are mostly rooted in entertainment and uh, getting us to buy more content. Uh, You know, Apple's second largest income is Apple Music and um, and not uh, like a MacBooks. Like they sell like $250 billion worth of iPhones every year. And so, um, you know, for me making those connections, I was like, well, what if we can have that Apple impact but actually make an impact. (laughs) Right. right. Uh, (laughs) uh, Because, you know, I asked you the question, what what problem is Apple solving in the world? What major problem is Apple solving? Well, I'll push back on that a
0: little bit. I do believe that they made it easier to connect with people internationally when they first came out. As far as what they're doing specifically today, outside Mm -hmm. of that, I don't know if there's actually a real problem that they're solving. But I do believe when it first came out, they solved two problems of, uh, you know, combining music and um, and a, a portable player all in one. And then also being able to communicate and network uh, with people on a global basis. I, I think that's what they solved back then.
1: Right. No. Yeah. No, for sure. Now, I, I definitely think communication is a number thing. I mean, I'm communicating on you right now through an iPhone um and but a fifty dollar smartphone can get on zoom you know and so they don't have to sell a thousand dollar smartphone right um to to create that to solve that problem but they choose to and that's okay for them i think it's great you know <laughs> like I, right, I think right it's right awesome but in my mindset i was i said well what if we took what if we took an American brand, a branding impact of like Apple and tied it with a Chinese business model of like, we'll create a really high quality product, but we'll just sell it for a lot less. You know, we'll we'll lessen our margins on that product so that we can sell a lot more of them and make a bigger impact. Like Samsung is the number one smartphone company in the world in terms of, of uh sales, right? Mm-hmm. But they have smartphones that go from fifty dollars to $1,000, thousand, three thousand dollars. Right, right. Um and and so just to get back to like the vision for Orion, um it was understanding that consumerism is what drives our world and is gonna and especially in the 21st century as this global economy continues to to come on come online. Um, you look at all the emerging markets like India. Um, India is going to be the second largest economy in the world um, by 2050, maybe sooner. Um, Beating out is going to be China, India, the United States and everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a that's a really, really big thing, because you think about a billion people having the ability to now consume. Um, And for me, I was like, we got to figure this out because we can't just allow that to happen unsustainably and without regard to our environment. And there has to be a company that needs to step up and say, we can have all these uh, features and all these products and cool things that we want, but how do we actually, um, improve our, our lives with it? Cause buying an iPhone doesn't necessarily improve my life any different than buying any other smartphone. It's, right. it's, it's literally going to do the exact same thing. Um, and so you know for, you know for us, um, that's that's really been our focus is um, let's really create products that have, that can really have an impact. Like initially, we were developing a eco-friendly smartphone for India. That was like our very first product. Uh, long story short, we couldn't get an investment for it, and we pivoted to a different, to get back to your question, we pivoted to the e-bikes in 2019, uh, and then focused on the domestic market. Basically, investors were like, "Hey, we don't invest in India. We don't invest in hardware." And you're a black kid from America talking about selling a smartphone to India. <laughs> right, right, right. It was like uh, uh, I don't think that's real- I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> Uh, you know, but me, I'm like, it's gonna happen. I know right. I can do it. You know what I mean? Uh, and so basically, the ecosystem is still what we're gonna build, and we are gonna have multiple different products. Just right now, we decided to pivot and focus on solving the transportation problem in America for the 100 million Americans who make under 30,000 a year. And it's very difficult for them to uh, own a vehicle, and if they don't own a vehicle, to pay for public transportation. Uh, or ride share now uh, to get to and from work or from school or or just anywhere for their daily commutes.
0: So, you know, when we're talking about the e-bike and transportation, what exactly, I guess what I'm I'm wondering is if they can't afford the the automobile, they can't afford the public transportation, will they be able to afford this e-bike?
1: Yeah, so, um, that was something that we really thought about with our pricing and, and once again playing on the the Chinese uh business model of let me create a high quality product um but lessen my margins so that I can sell mm-hmm. more. Um, and so for me, I would rather, unlike uh Apple, just to use as an example, like I would rather um a million people have my product than a thousand people that can pay me. A thousand dollars, you know, what right? I mean? mm-hmm. uh, and so, because I know if the more people riding bikes, it's going to be a better impact on the environment, and it's going to potentially help more people gain access to it. So our bike is priced under a thousand dollars. It starts at eight ninety nine, and the, uh, for the standard edition, there's four colors available for the standard edition, and then we have uh, the founders edition. Uh, which is really cool. It's like a black mat and blue tires. It's, it's a really cool bike. Um, they're all cool bikes, but I like the Founders <laughs> Edition one. <laughs> uh, that starts at $9.99. And, and so, you know, when you, when you think about um, someone who's maybe making a the decision, they live less than five miles away from where they work or where they go to school, um, you know, paying less than a thousand dollars for a vehicle that can get you there would be great. Um, but I understand, you know, a hoopty is about a thousand fifteen hundred $1,500 too. And so for those people, that's where the ride share um, really comes into play. And so if you can't afford to pay the the $900 to, to own your own bike, that's why we're also going to do the ride share element and, um, and make still make the bikes accessible to those people who maybe can't afford to pay for the full bike. And so for that, it's a subscription-based, it's going to be the first subscription-based rideshare service. And so unlike um, Uber or Lyft or Lime or Bird, you pay to unlock the vehicle and then you pay per distance and per time. Whereas us, we're going to allow for unlimited time, unlimited distance, and it's a, by paying a subscription fee. So the subscription fee goes from $10 a month all the way to $60 for a year. And um, and that, like I said, gives you full access as a writer. Um, But the real cool thing that we have as well is um, this is about moving the essential Americans that make America work. You know, when America shut down last year, the people working for Amazon and for FedEx and for all these delivery companies and at the hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. The janitors that were keeping those hospitals clean, those were the people that kept America moving, not the people sitting in the office um, or at home, you know what I'm saying, and at their very 5,000 square foot home or whatever, right. <laughs> chilling out, you know, playing with their kids. It was it was those people that were there grinding, making sure that their businesses stayed alive so that they could sustain a living, Right. In this time, and I guarantee you someone lost their job because they couldn't make it to work one of those days. Um, And someone today lost their job because they're not going to make it to work because they don't have a way. Someone yesterday and someone tomorrow. And to me, that's that's a major, 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 major problem, (laughs) Uh, because this is how people stay in poverty. You know, if you don't have access to transportation, if I can't get to work to make a buck, I can't save a buck or invest a buck to bring myself out of, out of my current standing. And, uh, that's very, very difficult for a hundred million Americans that make under, you know, $30,000, only about 170 million Americans contribute to our GDP. Um, and so the majority of those essential people are the people who really keep this country, you know, operating. And so that's, For us, that's who we're going to target. And so um, I say that to say that we have a B2B subscription function as well. And basically, we can partner with um, Kroger, for instance. They have thousands of employees who are under the age of 16, right? A lot of these kids are a main income for their families. That's why they have to go out and get a a job at Kroger. Uh, I was one of those kids when I was 16, working at JCPenney, just, you know, to pay for gas, you know, to make, to take that pressure Mm -hmm. off of my family. Um, and so uh, we would partner with Kroger. Kroger would pay us a contractual fee to then provide free access to their employees to use the bikes, for instance. And so um, we've also been in talks with like FedEx for people who work at their warehouses and things like that. So literally an employee can go onto our app, look for a bike, find it. They sign in through an account that's provided um, to, to them, like a, a code that's provided to them. And then they have free access to use the bikes to get to and from work or to and from school, Uh, because we're also talking universities, apartment buildings, um, co-working spaces, all types of different uh, corporations and functions, small businesses that might have, you know, um, um, employees that work in a a certain area, um, or they might want to use the bikes for delivery, whatever it might be, you know, we're going to open that up uh, to them to use, so...
0: I really love that. I really love both models, but I really enjoy that business to business model. Cause I would have loved that when I was working at a grocery store and having to walk to work or when I was working at the mall and having to walk all the way to the mall, which was only like six miles, but when you're walking it, it's It's terrible. Yeah. And they have to work. you got to work. And so (laughs) for those who don't know what separates or what, what is the difference between an e-bike and
1: just a regular bike? Right. Yeah, so um, an a e-bike is essentially – our e-bikes have both uh, pedal assist. So as you uh, start to pedal, the motor will kick in and start to uh, push you for it. Uh, okay. and it. goes And it goes up to 20 miles per hour. And then it also has a throttle. So if you don't want to, you know, use the pedals, you can use the throttle. But obviously using the throttle um, – uses the battery a little bit faster. And so those are the two ways. And so the only difference is that it has an electric motor tied to the, um, the rear wheel that uh, propels you uh, about 15 to 20 miles. But outside of that, if the motor cuts off for any reason, which is done, you know, to me, cause I've been like testing it, taking it all around the city and stuff. Uh, it just works as like a regular bike. Um, but our bike is very lightweight. Um, literally, I've watched six, seven-year-olds pick up, you know, my little nephews and nieces pick up the bike and be able to, to use it all the way up to 60-year-old, you know, my dad riding on it um, and various people. I had people get on the bike and they were like, this is the first time I've been on a bike in 20-something years and this is the most fun I've had on a bike ever, right. like, you know, and so it's a, it's only a 16-inch wheel bike. So it's it's very lightweight, very compactable. Um, I have a, a small C-class Benz um, that I can I can throw it. I don't even have to fold it. I can throw it in the back uh, of the trunk. You know, let the seat down and throw it in the back of the trunk. And so um, it's very agile bike, and um, that's one of the main differentiators versus the scooters, which are very unsafe. Um, they don't have big wheels, you shouldn't ride them Ride them on the streets, uh, even though cities tell you to ride them on the streets, you really shouldn't, um, you have to stand up, they're not usable for a certain age demographics, um, like very young or very old, um, and so the bike is just a lot safer, it's more reliable, more durable, you should, you can ride them on the street legally, um, there are bike lanes for you to use in, in a lot of major cities um, in the US now, and there's more coming on board. Um, and the age demographic is a lot is a lot wider as well. Like I said, I literally had people from seven to sixty years old ride the, ride this bike. And so um, that's that's one of the reasons like I don't think the e-bike is the answer to all transportation problem, the whole Oof. transportation problem in America. Um, but I do think it's an essential piece, and the rideshare companies that are that currently have e-bikes in their wheelhouse, or just regular bikes, typically are not in low-income neighborhoods, or they're really, really expensive uh, for them to use. And the thing that they don't, these companies don't understand, because some of them do have like uh, low-income uh, affordability. Um, like packages for, you know, for people, especially during COVID, uh, that came on a lot more. But, you know, for instance, in Cincinnati, which is where we are headquartered, um, it's $8 for the red bike for a person to use $8. Mm. Insane. Insane. The minimum Uber ride is $5, you know? And so you start to really put that into perspective. If I have to use a Uber or a red bike to get to work every single day, both ways, I'm paying ten to fifteen dollars, right, buffets right. a day. That's fifty to sixty dollars a week, or fifty to seventy-five dollars a week, um, and and then I'm only making two hundred dollars a week. Right. <laughs> you, you know, you know what I'm saying, and that's before taxes. <laughs> uh, I feel you. And, and, and so taking that fifty to uh, to $200 out of someone's income every month that is making less than $1,000 a month is a, just to make that $1,000 is a major, major burden on those people. Cause 50 to $200, that's a few bills or that savings and investments. Um, so that's kind of how I'm thinking about it from a more socioeconomic impact mm-hmm. than I am Uh, Then we are, we're thinking about it from both levels, the consumer side, but more so how the consumerism impacts the socioeconomic um, factors of it and, and the problems that we can really solve on the back end by providing this product.
0: before we move forward to, uh, you know, kind of talking about the current climate uh, in the electronic space, you also mentioned that um, your product is eco-friendly. How is a product eco-friendly so our audience can understand uh, that side of things too?
1: Yeah, so all of our products will either be built from uh, eco-friendly product or eco-friendly materials or will have a environmental impact, a positive environmental impact. So right now our e-bikes are just regularly manufactured. Um, our manufacturer in China does have uh, certain eco-friendly practices and processes that they go through. Um, they've been a manufacturer for 25 years, 27 now, I think since we first met. <laughs> um, and so uh, that is something that there's no kids in the manufacturer. I, I went to the factory, all that, checked it out, made sure yeah. we were good, <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, and so for the the e-bike, it's gonna, the environmental impact is gonna come by the use of the bike. And so over time, the carbon footprint that we have by um, the manufacturing the product and uh, shipping the product you know, to, to people will eventually over time, be negated by the use of the bikes. And so that's that's really our mindset. It's like, if we can't do it for the products, which is the goal, uh, and over time, as we develop as a company, that's gonna be more of a goal for us. Uh, Cause that's just really, it's just a money conversation to be able to make that happen. Um, but regardless, all of our products will have a positive environmental impact or focus um on on the people that are using it or just as a whole
0: now when i came across uh your website i was looking at uh the products that you have uh first of all it's it's very uh well done as far as the high quality uh presentation of everything that you're doing.
1: Man, I really um, appreciate you saying that.
0: It's been oh, no, a it is. it's, it's, it's a been truth. a journey
1: to get there. That means a lot honestly. You're
0: well <laughs> Um, So the high quality is there. I love the mission. Um, If you didn't tell me, if I didn't know, I wouldn't have known if this was a black person doing this, a white person doing this. I just know it's a dope product. How has your experience been as a black entrepreneur, uh, speaking with investors or talking to people within the sector? Have you had any pushback uh, trying to get this product, trying to get this company? to the forefront
1: um yeah so i think yes and no right Mm -hmm. and so and so um the the reality is yes because it's not a space that we frequent a lot like how many of your friends or colleagues do you know went to school for computer science or to be in the tech space. I didn't even go to school for tech. You know, I went as an urban planner and an and architect more so than tech. Um, and so, because of our cultural lack of access and I think real focus on tech in general and being in that space, um, up until recently, you know, STEM has kind of pushed that a lot more into our inner city schools and everything and just. As a whole, we're we're coming onto the we're getting it a lot more. You know, there's so many people I can name off right now, like Don Dixon and you know the Rodney William uh, Williams and uh, Travis Holloways and all my guys that are, and, and, and ladies that are doing great in, in the tech space right now and, and really innovating it and making a major move. Um, so there has been I won't say pushback, but it's just been an understanding that. This is not our space quote mm. unquote, and it's a space that is ran by young white males under the age of thirty five mm. that's who runs technology in america um and and so I obviously do not look like what v c s are typically used to seeing, and I've been told by mentors white and black like hey man you got to find some black vcs to be in front of you know like you gotta you gotta find you gotta find investors that look like you um because the standard is stanford dropout um that lives in san francisco or la you know and those who are getting investments you look at the investors for lime and and bird or the, the the founders there's, there's a, there's a thing, right? We're breaking that space. And there are VCs that are in that space now that are investing in companies like ours and, and underrepresented founders like Backstage Capital, uh, Kapoor Capital, Brian Dixon. Um, you know, so there's Marlon Nichols from, from Mac Ventures. You know, there's a lot of people that really are in the space. My guy, B Horn, uh, Sim is down in Arkansas. So, you know, they there are a lot of people that understand this and are, are pushing through that, and I think we're just we're just the we're just the first generation to really make that step, and so we, we're having to figure out um, how to approach it, what our what our strategies are, and where our opportunities really lie, and it's not maybe going to be the traditional hit up a VC, yeah, I got this idea they give you a hundred million dollar check like they did to Zoom, the company that we're on before they even looked at their financials. That's not a reality for us, you know, right now. But I think we'll, what we have to do is what we have to do in every room that we come into. Uh, and to key back on the website, I literally, to be transparent, I tell my web developer, listen, I'm a black entrepreneur. This is our first, for a lot of people coming to this, this is going to be the first uh, introduction to our company. There can't be a misspelled word. There can't be a broken link. There can't be anything that's going to, um, you know, that's not going to um, provide the legitimacy that my company needs. If there's anything like that, it immediately breaks. It immediately is going to shun us. It's immediately going to put us down and not on the level that we want to be. When people come to his website, it has to be like going to the Tesla website. And and, and that was like something I, I really keyed in on on our web developer, like because he kept giving me stuff. It was like, hey, man, I can't I can't. This paragraph don't even look right. You know what I mean? Like, we right. got to get this. And there's still critiques I got going. You know what I'm saying? So uh that is a real reality being a black entrepreneur is that. You know, when I go into these rooms and it's all, you know, white people in these rooms, you know, and they're looking at me dreaded, you know, wearing probably some nice sneakers, not in a jeans and black turtleneck like Steve Jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like um, they there's a a line that I think we have to step across or I felt like I've had to step across and be like, okay, let me create that engagement. So they understand that is real. And then once you create that engagement, you go over that barrier because other people aren't going to do that to black people because like, that's just not culturally how people interact with us here <laughs> in our society. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you've dealt with it. Um, you know, a lot of times we have to be the handshakers and the line steppers and the, and the crossers to mm-hmm. to let them know like, hey, this is a, this, you can be in my space safely and and I can have a real educated conversation with you and get past all that but that's this is all purpose-driven as well because they need to not give us that interaction they need to understand that no matter what we look like what sneakers we got on that we are valuable and we have um companies that are valuable and we have products and visions and ideas that are going to change the world once we are empowered to do so and so that's really been the challenge for me is finding um, the right people who believe in the idea more so than a barrier of me being a black person, you know? And so for us, it's like, I say to all entrepreneurs, whoever you are, the investment space is very, very difficult. COVID put a lot of pressure on it. And if they were tight with their money before they're even tighter with their money now. And so the only companies that are going to get investment in that VC space are going to be companies that are creating real value and are selling products already. Or, you know, if you watch Shark Tank, what's the first questions that they ask? They don't care who they are. They like, all right, tell me your why, then tell me what. You know, and if yep. your what, their why is cool and, and they'll tell you like, man, love your mission, your what doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right, right. And, and so for that, I'm out. And so yep that that's the a reality but for us we have to understand once we get told no once it's very very difficult for us to even get another meeting to be told no again or yes again and we we don't have a lot of chance i believe you know there aren't a lot of chances to really make that first impression and get over that hump and so we have to come with the firepower like every single time you know we got to be stay ready you know is <laughs> it's, it's, it's not you can't approach this in a lackadaisical way i think well that that's
0: one thing out of what you're saying that kind of confuses me you were talking earlier about you know someone gave you the advice of you know we got to get in front of some black vcs some black investors which you know i have no problem with that obviously mm-hmm. but i'm just wondering with the type of quality product you're putting out and the presentation to me being next level, and the messaging being next level, to me, it really shouldn't matter who is in front of you, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm just one person, but it shouldn't matter who's in front of you, if what the product or service or mission, the why, the what, all make perfect sense for today's time, which it does. Right. It would just mean that somebody is hoarding their money and only putting it into faces that they that look familiar to them I guess to me that doesn't make logical sense if the mission is let's make a better society
1: yeah no I'm listening uh, I feel the same way <laughs> um, you know but my experience you know I've i've I feel the same way and i've I've fought to and I've connected with a lot of the top VCS in the space and have pitched to them and been told no by a lot of them not because obviously i'm being black but because i wasn't ready you know or this didn't make sense you know when i was pitching the smartphone they were like hey that doesn't seem valuable to us which is why we chose to pivot and we took that feedback and we're like all right well let's create something that is in line with our vision in line with our company in line with our products and what we're trying to create but let's just align that a little bit more with where investors are investing, and so I think that's really more so. And I and I had this conversation with Rodney, uh, and I was asking him, it was like, you know, do you did did you in raising your first ten million dollars, did you feel that pressure, you mm-hmm. know, uh, or that that kickback? And it's great for him to raise ten million dollars, but like I told you, Zoom got a hundred million dollar check before the investor even at a lunch before the investor even looked at the financials. And that's not going to be our reality. Mm -hmm. Not right now. That's, that would have to come from another black person. That would be me sitting down with Jay-Z. That's the only other person or Kanye or somebody on that level that can actually make that investment and, and bring like, it's, it's highly, highly unlikely. There's going to be very few like Squire just did it. um, And they are making a major, that's like historic. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not historic for uh, another company owned by a, a different demographic to, to raise that type of money, specifically white males, to raise that type of money. But that's really historic for us. You know, to raise over a million dollars for a black tech entrepreneur is, yeah. is a historic awesome. feat, you know. And, but a million dollars is nothing in the tech space, just like a million dollars is nothing in the weed business right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you need some real, real, real money. Like our competitors have raised hundreds of millions of dollars. I understand that, and I'm and I have to think like, dang, like (laughs) I'm gonna compete with I'm gonna compete with these these guys. They got a billion dollars. They sitting on. You know, I it's it's difficult to get over 100k. You know, for us and so um, I agree that it shouldn't be like that. And I think as more of us um, push into that space and more um, ethnic people come into that space that come from those environments and come from those situations. Um, it's just gonna make sense, you know. And it's not it's nothing I personally put against uh, like the white VCs of the space. It's just like they're only investing in what they know. You know why would I, why would I take a risk on my money to step outside of something that I that I that I know has worked for my friends or worked for me before? Mm -hmm. you know and those are i think the battles that we really have to fight and the only way to fight it is revenue kills all it kills all you know any discrepancies will be killed by revenue or people investing in you you know the fact that we have 85 investors who have put their hard on hard-earned money into our company um that's amazing to me and unbelievable, honestly, to me. Um, But at the same time, I understand that it creates value in the eyes of um, larger investors.
0: Love it. Love it. Now, uh, earlier, you mentioned about, you know, pivoting towards uh, crowdfunding. Uh, So is that where you are now as far as, you know, those 80 investors? Did that all come through crowdfunding? Or how did that how did that occur?
1: Uh yeah, so um sorry, I was getting a phone call. Um yes, so that is through our crowdfunding. Um, um we currently do have a, a crowdfunding campaign uh going on is through Wonderfund, uh wonderfund.co and um forward slash Orion O-R-I-O-N. You can check us out. Um and we just closed our first round. We did about 15k in our first round, and now we're well um, into our second round. Another 90 days, and it's only a minimum $100 to invest. And $100 is will get you 400 shares. Um, if you invest $500 or more, you'll get an extra 5% bonus shares on top of your investment. And uh, really, like I said, it's it's about being able to empower ourselves and, you know, for this product, because we haven't been able to secure, you know, the investments that we need. And we have a very, very long road to go with that. Um, But it's really about uh, also empowering other people as well.
0: Okay. So as we head towards the end of this episode, uh, what is the future uh, for your company? Obviously you you're talking about the e-bike and we have some other things in store in the future, where do you see the next two to three years going uh, for your company?
1: Uh, so, yeah, our, our focus is, is really on this product right now and, uh, and and pushing this out. We do have some other products in line, but, um, you know, we really want to be focused here and, and pushing uh, this uh, product out into the space and into the U.S. and hopefully globally as well, because we do have a global focus um, and transportation is a, is a global problem <laughs> um, especially outside of developed countries like the u.s um, and so really that's that's one thing we really we really want to key on and just going forward is going to be uh, um, just continuously trying to innovate create products and eventually you know ipo and uh you know create a return on investment to our investors and and be um our goal is to be the top five tech companies in the world um, and that's something that we're fighting for and we believe that we can do and uh, we definitely need the help and support. And I, you know, I appreciate being on the podcast and being able to have an opportunity to talk about what we're doing and where we are and, and where we're headed. If someone's listening to this episode
0: and they see that there's a, a potential that they could help, they could collaborate. Uh, maybe they can introduce you to other investors. Uh, what? Uh, words do you have for those who are looking to collaborate or what is the best way to collaborate
1: so you guys can follow us at underscore orion o-r-i-o-n-c or sorry ec that's underscore orion ec on instagram and twitter Um, If you go to Facebook, just search Orion Electronics Company, you'll see this logo. I don't know if you're going to put this up, but you'll see Orion's logo. You'll see my face and our bikes and all that good stuff. Um, You search on Google, we got some SEO going for us, too. So uh, just, you know, check us out. Um, Really, if you just search Orion Electronics Company, you should be able to find us. I appreciate it all.
0: I I was saying
1: definitely check out our crowdfunding. You know, we want everyone to be a part of this as much as possible. Definitely. I,
0: I was I was saying that I appreciate all the great work you're doing.
1: I appreciate you reaching out
0: to us. The doors are open. Uh, anytime you want to come back and continue the conversation, I look forward to speaking with you. This is, this is an area I want to talk more about uh, because I think it's the way that we revolutionize our culture and revolutionize our society right alongside of it. Uh, so thank you for coming on black equity podcast. So we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Um oh man i appreciate you and uh yes first time not the last time keep doing the good work uh we we appreciate that you're what you're doing and um it's it's important work so we all just here doing what we're supposed to do man (laughs) and we're gonna make it happen we're gonna make it happen let's let's continue with us keep it going definitely i'll talk to you again soon all right see you man all right have a good one